to basics, y'all. Back to basics, back to basics, teaching you truth that you really need to know. Back to basics, back to basics, talking about the church, living life to the fullest. Worship. guys come on in um i like that worship is the state of the heart we are here tonight um to hang out together we hope that you feel like you can kind of let your hair down and be comfortable and we want this to be kind of an informal thing we want this to be a thing where we kind of join together that we feel like we can be real together that we can be loved and that we can belong um And tonight we're talking about worship. It's going to take on a little bit of a different look. Usually you guys know it's kind of rock and roll and we just, you know, plow through it and go full energy and all that. But sometimes it's good to kind of just scale it back a little bit. Um, So we're going to do some songs. We're going to talk about some different aspects of worship. Um, But before we do that, let me pray for us. So will you guys pray with me? Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for the breath in our lungs. We thank you that you woke us up today. We thank you for a chance to be in your house. We thank you for the people on our right and left that are here. And we know that um, it's no accident um, who's in the room tonight. God, we pray that in this next hour that you would open our hearts that you would open our minds, that you would just uh, help us to hear from you. Um, this isn't a time to, uh, to show off our preaching or show off our singing. Um, it's, a, it's a time to uh, talk about you, to remember you, to learn about you, and to lift you up. And so we just pray that all that we do tonight does just that, that it just lifts you up. We pray uh, that you would teach us one good thing tonight to walk out of here with that changes the way that we live life. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right, so we're going to talk a little bit. Um, I'm going to start us off the, uh, the idea of praise. Um, and since I'm kind of a sports guy, liking everything to sports, um, tell me this. We got any sports fans in the house? All right. Oh, I like how... Uh, Everybody participated on that. That's pretty good. Not a lot of enthusiasm, but still, that's cool. All right. Um, we got any UK Wildcat fans? <laughs> See, we got some more there. All right. Uh, tell me this. This is keep on with the participation. Um, how many national championships do our guys have? Eight? All right. Finish this for me. C-A-T-S. I love it. That's cool. That's cool. Um, I gotta say this. I've been I've been in church for a long time. This this is such a god thing that Amanda was here. She's one of the biggest UK fans I know. So the fact that she's on stage it, it makes this work really good. Um, who's been to a UK game before? Isn't it crazy? That's one of the most like intense experiences, and people just go nuts for what they're passionate about. It's really cool. Um, as we talk about praise, I want to just kind of uh, reach a good starting point, like a working definition. So um, when you hit the dictionary, there's kind of two forms 
of the word praise. The first is a verb. Um, it means to express warm approval or admiration of. So you can praise something. You can praise something. Or uh, number two is that it's a noun, the expression of approval or admiration for someone or something. So you can give praise to something. You can, like, add praise, give praise. Um, we praise what we value. If you think about it, the things that we get the most fired up for, we spend time thinking about, you're passionate about, you have no trouble talking about all aspects of it. Who could talk about UK basketball all day? That's what I thought. What are some other things we get passionate about? Just yell them out. Motorcycles. You could talk about motorcycles all day, couldn't you? What else? Special need children. Absolutely. Absolutely. Good stuff. What else? Our kids. Man, we're in that stage where we're at risk of being those parents. <laughs> we talk about our kids way too much. Like, I'll come in the office and Blake will be like, not again. He's probably going to show me a video of Jet with, like, spaghetti in his hair. <laughs> that that did happen. Um, I love UK basketball, but at the end of the day, it actually, it has no bearing on my life. It's, it's really this. It's a bunch of 18-year-old future millionaires trying to put a ball through a basket, right? But we get real fired up. I mean, like some people get depressed. I've watched some games with you guys, and we just like... After, after we lost this year, we, we just didn't even want to talk almost. It's like our friendship took a back burner. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's, it's hilarious. Um, but, you know, we got to choose what we praise, what we give that adoration, that approval to. And I'm not saying that it's bad to do that. Um, but the Bible is pretty clear that our lives are to give that praise to God. So let's look at some reasons to praise. We praise God because of his great love for us. Romans 3.23 says this, all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Raise your hand if you're a part of all. So does this turn into good news when the big but here is that we've all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God and all of us deserve to be in hell. But in Romans 5.8 it says this, but while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. That's where this thing takes a... Absolutely! Absolutely! That's where this thing takes a hard turn into the good, and that's a reason for us to praise. So let's look at some ways that we can praise. We can cheer. We can clap. We can yell. Has anybody ever seen a hero's welcome before? Like, like a, a war hero or something like that? Yeah? It's like a, it'll give you chills when people thank somebody out loud. It'll give you chills because that person deserves it and people know it, right? So let's try this for a second. So in view of God's mercy, in view of what we talked about where we're essentially totally head for hell and then because of his great love, now we're not. Let's try this for five seconds. I want us to cheer, clap, or yell for God. So don't be afraid to do this. If, if you feel like he's changed your life, let's do this on the count of three. One, two, three. Yeah! Yeah! That's good stuff right there. 
Another way that we can do that is that we can, uh, we can look at his truth. We can sing his truth. Um, so we can do that right now. We're going to do that right now. So hopefully that got us warmed up to be thinking about how awesome our God is and what a hero he is in our life. So let's do this. Let's sing about his amazing grace.
sing that out. That was awesome. Very nice. You guys can have a seat for a second. So when we were looking at the things that we wanted to talk about tonight, uh, when talking about things and ways that we can worship, Chris took praise and left me with tithing. So, uh, so yes, we are going to talk about money, but I promise you if you'll listen for the next four minutes and really listen and listen to what God has to say about tithing, I promise I won't preach about it for the rest of this year. Deal? Okay. I can't back that up. I can't back that up if they actually listen, so we'll see. Uh, tithing, though, is a biblical principle, and so if you know nothing about that word, um, basically it's the concept that we give back 10% of what we make to God. And it's not a new concept. Uh, in fact, the Babylonians, the Assyrians, the Egyptians, the Sumerians, all of these people who were known as polytheistic um, uh, people, so people who believed in multiple gods, believed that they had to give a tenth of all their income to these gods as a fixed rule centuries before God. Uh, through, the pop, uh, through the prophet Malachi, accused the Hebrews of robbing God when they withheld their tithes. In scripture, in the book of Malachi, it says that the people who were holding back this 10% were robbing God. How many of you guys in the room want to rob God? Well, you raise your hands for Chris. I figured you might for me. Yeah, I don't either. Uh, and, and that's pretty serious uh, lingo there. Robbing God. How often in our lives do we rob God, though, by not giving back what's his? It's not just money, it's our lives. It's the choices that we make. It's the decisions we make every single day. It's where we spend our time and who we spend it with. Are we truly living our lives for the Lord, giving back to Him what He's already given to us? I heard it said one time that praise and worship is just giving God's breath back to Him. I love that. I thought that was pretty cool. In Scripture, there's only 39 references to tithing. And 39 is actually a pretty small number. And the reason why I believe it was so small is because back in the day, it was just something that people just knew. It was a general concept and a rule. Uh, in the distribution of the spoils, in the story of Abraham, he gave the man Methesladek. Try to say that, Methesladek. Good, you guys sound as stupid as I did. I Thank you. it's Melchizedek. It's Methesladek because I said it is, Chris. The guy on the screen, that's Melchizedek. Whatever. But it says in Scripture, the priest of the Most High God, they gave tithes of all. Tithes of all. Another story in Scripture about tithing is when Abraham acknowledged God's sovereignty by the tithe and by telling the king of Sodom, I have lifted up mine hand unto the Lord, the Most High God, the possessor of heaven and earth. He said that in Genesis in verse, 40, in verse 22. Then again, we see this idea of tithing through Jacob. Jacob had been taught this requirement when he vowed, And this stone which I have set for as a pillar shall be God's house. And of all that thou shalt give me, I shall surely give the tenth unto thee. That's in Genesis chapter 28. Another example is, And all of the tithe of the land, whether of the sea of the land or of the fruit of the tree, is the Lord's. It is holy unto the Lord. And concerning the tithe of the herd, of the flock, even of whatsoever passeth under the rod, the tenth shall be holy unto the Lord. And that's in Leviticus. And so we see here that God is saying that everything is his. Everything. Not just our money, not just our time. But we are not our own. Everything is the Lord's. We see this idea of authority right off the bat in the garden with Adam and Eve. There was one rule, one restriction, one tree that they couldn't eat from. And I'm kind of a nerd, so I think of it like this. 
Uh, I think about like a secret service and you have levels of clearance. Adam and Eve were at like level nine clearance, but God was level 10. There was one thing that he could know that Adam and Eve couldn't, and that's what gave him authority. And so when there was the fall of man in the garden, when this, this thing was broken, God had to establish a new restriction. God to establish a new way to have authority over us. And I think that's where the tithe comes about. This 10%, this reminder for us to give back to God what he's blessed us with. And the reality is this idea of tithing, it helps the giver a lot more than who we're giving it to. And it does that in two ways. It prevents pride of ownership and it guarantees the freedom of dependence. Oftentimes I think about how hard we work how we're slaves to our job and to the money in our pockets. How we work our whole lives for the fanciest car and the biggest house and the nicest clothes. And we have this sense of pride about it. Well, with this concept, when we give back to God this 10%, it frees us of our need to have because we know that we have all we need. The second thing is it's the freedom of dependence. How many of you guys like to know that when you fail, you've got a God to fall back on? I know I do. You know, I act independent. I moved out recently, and I I was feeling great. You know, it's awesome to feel independent. But it's also awesome to know that when things are hard, I can call my dad. I can call my mom and say, hey, I need you. We can do that. We have that dependence to fall back into with God. And so tithing, allow that to be a thing, not just this time that the church asks for your money but a time where you have an opportunity to say, you know what, God, I'm giving this to you because you blessed me with it and I'm remembering that I have a God who loves me, that I can depend on, that's bigger than the money in my pocket and that's gonna see me through. Let's continue to worship with another song. Would you stand and sing? Yeah. 
talked about praise. We've talked about tithing. Now I want to talk about prayer. God gave us this opportunity to have daily conversation with us. You know, we're honestly kind of spoiled because back in the day, they didn't have that. Uh, There's this thing in the temple called the Holy of Holies, and only certain people could go into there and pray. And if somebody who wasn't righteous or holy stepped into it, they were known to just fall over dead. But when Christ died and the veil was torn in that temple, it opened up a pathway for us to be able to talk to God every single day. That's an awesome thing to get excited about, guys. And so often, though, we forget. Or we pray like this. We pray when it's hard. Uh, We pray when that's the last option. We get it backwards a whole lot with prayer. See, a lot of our problems could be fixed if we preface them with prayer instead of relied on prayer as the backup plan. I just want to read a few scriptures because I think the word of God speaks a whole lot more powerfully than I can with my words. And so starting in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 17, I want to read this. It says, pray without ceasing. That's it, pray without ceasing. That's simple enough, easy enough, memorize that verse. Pray without ceasing. James 5 verse 16 says this therefore confess your sins to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed 
the prayer of a righteous person has great power as it is working. When was the last time that you prayed for the person sitting to your left? What about the person to your right? We talk about this every week, that this is a place for us to be real, be loved, and belong. And if this is truly meant to be church, then guys, we need to be praying for each other. I don't care if you know that person sitting next to you's last name. First off, you need to fix that. Figure out what their last name is and then pray for them. Pray for them every day. Because we aren't meant to do this life thing alone. And the prayer of a righteous person is powerful. Proverbs chapter 15 verse 29 says this. The Lord is far from the wicked, but he hears the prayer of the righteous. Have you ever talked to somebody and knew they weren't listening to you? can be pretty frustrating. You know, you're talking and they're on their phone or they just randomly start another conversation. We have a God for each one of us, every single one of us, who when we talk to him, he listens. First off, that is some amazing focus. He has the best ADD medicine around. But that's comforting to me, that my words don't fall to the ground. That my words aren't in vain, but they're heard. There's a lot of times in my life where I want to get this point across, you know? I have something that my heart just is dying to say. And my emotions get the best of me, and I go to say it, and it's just a pile of tears and... <laughs> it's really like that, guys, I promise. I've seen it. It's not pretty. <laughs> but there's something really cool about prayer. We talked uh, last week about the Trinity, and the Holy Spirit. And you know what the Bible says about the Holy Spirit? That even when we don't have the words to pray, even when the only thing that comes out is our tears and our, <laughs> God knows our heart. See, God hears our heart and our soul. That's a reason for us to worship tonight. God gave us this thing called the Lord's Prayer. How many of you guys know the Lord's Prayer? Just a show of hands. All right, let's say it together. You ready? Don't put it up there just yet. Take it off. I want to test them, see if they're lying to me. We're going to have, like, translation clash. It's okay. That's good. All right, All right you ready? On the count of three. One, two, three. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us of our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the power, I messed up, and the glory forever. That's like one of those moments where you're in class and you school the teacher, and everybody's like, mic drop, burn. I was just doing that to make you guys feel better. But I want to read this to you. So there's this Bible out. It's a translation called The Message. And it puts it in a term that we can really understand. And I love the way that they phrase this. So read this with me. With a God like this loving you, you can pray very simply like this. Our Father in heaven, reveal who you are. Set the world right. Do what's best. As above, so below. Keep us alive with three square meals. I love that. Keep us forgiven with you and forgiving others. Keep us safe from ourselves and the devil 
You're in charge. You can do anything you want. You're ablaze in beauty. Yes, yes, yes. That's a Pentecostal version there. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. Jesus. When was the last time that you looked to God and said, you're in charge? See, that's an awesome thing that we can do when we pray is acknowledge who he is. Come to a point of surrender and say, God, you're the boss, not me, <laughs> not my works, not my efforts, but you. And so we have this thing at the end of a service called an invitation. And one part of that invitation is the altar call. And it's one of those things that's like a Christianese word. Everybody's just supposed to know why you're supposed to come down and pray at an altar. But the reason for the altar is not the physical thing, but the altar is a symbol of the altar of your heart, the position of your heart. And so tonight I want to talk about a few different altars. See, there's an altar of confession. See, this place down here on these stairs can become a place where you can say, God, you know what? I screwed up today. I failed you. I let you down. And I know that nobody likes doing that, but if you've ever been in a situation where you know you've messed up and you had to go tell your parents, you kill yourself worrying about that conversation. But after it's over, how much better do you feel? See, we had that freedom tonight to come down to this altar and say, God, I'm giving this to you. I'm confessing my sins and turning them over to you. See, this altar can be an altar of prayer where you come down and you say, you know what, God, I need to pray right now for people in my life. I need to pray for my church and my kids and my parents, and my coworkers, and that person across the street who I know doesn't know you. How intentional are you praying for people in your life? You can do that tonight at this altar as a way of worship. This altar can be an altar of sacrifice. Scripture talks about how every day we have to deny our flesh and carry our cross. It's not easy to deny the things that we naturally want. I'm a wanter. I want and I want and I want. This is a place where we can say, you know what, God? I choose to sacrifice all of my wants to serve a greater purpose, and that's you. Because you know better. You know better than my wants. You give me more than my wants. Sacrifice. And lastly, this altar can be an altar of praise. You can fall on your face and you can say, God, I praise you for who you are, for how wonderful you are, for how loving and big and kind and merciful you are, because he is worthy of our praise tonight. Would you stand and sing?
thing I wanted to talk about tonight is a way that we can worship that makes God and who he is very tangible in our life because it gives us something to hold. You know, we can talk about scripture and imagine what it's like, but I think God was intentional when he invited those people around a table to share that last dinner. And when he broke the bread and put it in their hands because he gave them something to hold. There's something about holding something in your hand, being able to actually feel it. So what I'm talking about is communion. This is what communion symbolizes. Let's read Isaiah 53, verse 5. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace. And with his stripes, we are healed. That's an amen, right? Amen. By his wounds, we are healed. See, when he invited those people to the table, this is what Jesus said in Matthew chapter 26, verse 26. Now, as they were eating, Jesus took bread and after blessing it, broke it and gave it to the disciples and said, take and eat. This is my body. And he took a cup and when he had given thanks, he gave it to them saying, drink of it, all of you. For this is my blood of the covenant, 
which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. Guys, this is the most powerful example of God's love for us in our life. The ultimate sacrifice, the death of a perfect son. See, he knew that he was going to die. And look who he chose to invite to his last meal. I imagine Jesus looked around that table and saw people from all different come froms, fishermen and, and, and people who made tents and stuff like that. People who had sinned in their lifetime, who had done some really horrible things, even people that he knew would deny him, even the very man who sold him out and put him on the cross for a few gold coins. That's who Jesus chose to have his last meal with. Yet sometimes some of us feel like we're not welcome to the table. Our hands are too dirty to eat at the table of God. But you see, we're all welcome there. I read this quote one time, and I think it's amazing. And I want you to read along with me as I read it. It says this. We don't come to the table to fight or defend. We don't come to prove or to conquer, to draw lines in the sand or to stir up trouble. We come to the table because our hunger brings us there. We come with a need, with fragility, with an admission of our own humanity. The table is the great equalizer, the level playing field many of us have been looking for elsewhere. The table is the place where the doing stops, the trying stops, the masks are removed, and we allow ourselves to be nourished like children we allow someone else to meet our needs. In a world that prides people on not having needs, on going longer and faster, on going without, on powering through, the table is a place of safety and rest of humanity, where we are allowed to be as fragile as we need. I love that. And what I love even more is that tonight, Jesus is inviting each of us to the table. We all have that opportunity to come and remember what he did on a cross, not just for those who had their lives put together, not just those ones who were in church every single Sunday or who wore their ties and could quote scripture, but the people who were living life and making mistakes and failing every single day. For the woman who was caught in adultery and for the person who gets caught on their computer looking up stuff they shouldn't or the husband who gets caught cheating in a marriage or person who thought that works would get him something and realizes that he has an empty life. The person who's been addicted and bound by their sin, maybe it's drugs. But God is a God who breaks every chain. God is a God who invites those people to the table and says, come because by my blood, you're clean. You see, you're not, a, you're not worthy. You're not holy. You're not good, but I am. And so I'm going to give myself to pay a price you can't pay because I love you that much. See, guys, that's why we worship. And so don't just come up and eat the chip and drink the juice because it's habit or because it's a religious thing to do and it's what you're supposed to do in church, but do it because you want to remember that God did that for you. Make it personal. When you drink that cup, say, thank you, God, for your blood for me for your body broken for me. Claim it as your own tonight.
We've talked about all these ways to worship and now we're gonna enter into a time of invitation. And maybe you've never tithed. Maybe you've never taken communion. Maybe you've never went to the altar because your pride stopped you. Because you've been too afraid to to get before a group of people and fall to your knees and surrender to a God that's bigger than all of us. I challenge you tonight in this last song to truly worship, to embrace God in a new way, in a bigger way, and to experience him. Because when you do, when you start to truly worship God, it makes it a lot easier to have joy, I promise you that. I was having a really crappy day yesterday, and I had to take a moment and just sit down and put my hand on my heart. Everybody do this, put your hand on your chest. You feel that heartbeat? On those days when you're having a really crappy day, put your hand on your heart and feel that heartbeat and be reminded that you have a purpose and you have a place at the table. Would you worship tonight? Would you stand and pray with me? God, thank you for tonight and allowing us to worship you, to praise your name and to lift you up, God, because you are so great and so big and so mighty. And God, there are so many times in our life where we just need to pause and look at you because we're so distracted. And so God, can you allow this to be a night that serves as a catalyst for us to refocus, for us to recharge, for us to revitalize the way that we worship you. And God, can we experience you in a way that we've never experienced you tonight? And not let let it be a one-time thing, but a, a new way of life for us to embrace it, not just tiptoe in it, but cannonball in it, God, into your love and your grace and who you are and your power. God, allow us to tap into that tonight. When we think about the cross and the way that you were broken for us, God, all we can say is thank you. Thank you, Jesus, that there is power in the blood that there is power in your name. And so in those days when we are falling apart and we feel completely hopeless, we can claim your promises, that you have a plan for your life and it's one to prosper us, that we can say your name, Jesus, and know that we stand qualified and redeemed. God, thank you for you. And I wanna pray right now for my brothers and sisters in this place. God, I know that there are people in this room who are carrying burdens. God, would you allow this altar to be a place of surrender and allow them to just surrender that completely to you, to just drop it at the foot of your cross. God, there's confusion and chaos and, and pain. We surrender that to you tonight. Take it from us, God. Free us so that we can run to you so that we can run this race with passion. God, thank you for this church. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So in this next song, praise, guys. Truly sing these words and worship however you might want to. But really, really worship. Because it's all about God. It's all it's about.
Guys, let's lift up a shout of praise. Remember we talked about praise for the hero, for Jesus? Amen. Amen. That is powerful. Just from where we're sitting, when I shut my eyes, it feels like there's 10 million of you guys. That's praise, man. That's you guys singing at the top of your lungs. And that is good stuff. It's easy to do this in here. I pray that we take this fire. I pray that we take this passion out those doors. And if you need a reminder of why we do this, you give us a call. You give somebody on your right or left a call. Or you just go to God and say thank you for your love. While I was still a sinner, you died for me. You're the hero. Thank you. Take this passion as you go.